Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Well, today we're talking about health benefits. We're talking about 401k benefits. We're talking about vacation. And actually, when you really put it all together, if you're an employer or an employee, we're talking about the benefit package that you put together as an employer so that you can attract and keep the best employees that possibly you can find. Bottom line is, you know, when we look at the average unemployment rate over the country since 1948, the last 70 some odd years, Bottom line, 5.75%. Right now, it's a tight job market. If you want a job, you can find it because we're looking at a 3.6% unemployment rate. So my guest with me today is a guy that knows a whole lot about employee benefits and how to attract and retain top talent. Shannon Dyson, welcome to the program, sir. Thanks for having me back, Jim. Well, you know, it's uh, it's one of those subjects. And Shannon, I think when I look at employer benefits or the benefits that an employer puts together for, you know, those important employees that he's wanting to attract and retain, we talk about health benefits. We talk about 401k. We talk about vacations. We talk about, you know, a lot of things. But what you've found in the labor market, we went through the great resignation. Right. And I, that was a big event. I mean, it was on the news, talked about it a lot. Sure. Now they call it the great Talent reshuffle. I love that. What is that? I love what that does terminology. that mean? The great talent reshuffle. reshuffle. People are leaving their jobs to find more opportunity. You know, like you said, it's a tight job market. Uh, people are saying, you know, I've liked what I've done. I've been here four, five, six years. Maybe there's something better for me. And, and so, so they're, they're starting to the question. Maybe Absolutely. there's something better. I noticed in February of 2022, this year, we had 4.4 million Americans quit their jobs. And whether they were not leaving the workforce, but they were doing your thing, asking the question, is there something better? Yeah, more than half of those uh, actually found jobs in either, you know, different industries uh, or in the same industry, but a company that maybe offered a little bit better, a better benefit package than than what they had with their current employer. Well, that's amazing because when yeah. you think about it, there's, you know, the whole thought is the pandemic has started a discussion that probably had been around maybe kind of pushed down a little bit. Now it's out and everybody's talking about it. Leadership is talking about it. Workers are talking about it. It's kind of this unpredictable outcome of where we're headed with it. So let's help me understand when you talk about the great talent reshuffle, what's happening? What are you hearing? What do you see? Well, I think the first thing we, we just mentioned, it's uh, employees are, are starting to think how they really feel about their jobs about going through after going through the pandemic. Uh, there was a, a study done by uh, Microsoft WorkTrend. They have an index, and it examined why workers were leaving their jobs in the record numbers you just mentioned, 4.4 million people leaving yeah. leaving their jobs. And what they found out was that they're calling this the employee worth it equation. Okay? Is it worth it <laughs> well, that's equation? A, that's a big, that's <laughs> a big statement. Yeah, so it's fine. People, what people want from work and what they are willing to give in return has fundamentally changed. And that's what they're calling that employee worth it equation. 
And that study showed that 47% of respondents say they're more likely to put family and personal life over their work. Uh, they're, they're more, they're 53%, particularly parents, say they're more likely to prioritize their health and well-being over work than before the pandemic. You know, that, that's, I mean, I understand that when you do a survey, you're looking for data, you're looking for right. statistics. I remember that, took statistics in college and was glad to get out of statistics. But the reality is sometimes you can make statistics say what you wanted to say. I would have thought that that was not something new, but what you're saying is, you know, this Microsoft Work Trend Index says it's a it's yeah. a bigger, newer statistic. Yeah, first reason is that they're just thinking about it. They're they're putting their life into more perspective. It seems like because they've had, you know, two years to be to be either at home or working remotely or or scarcely going into the office. Uh, it's caused them to think through kind of what they want to do, how their life works, how they plan. All of those things have kind of gone into that. I can understand that. When we think about talking with our people and we wanting you, the listener, to know we're for you, and, and that's why we're talking about this particular subject, when the reality is uh, there's a tremendous problem with young people today, those that were the students during this time. I can see parents saying, wait a second, I've got to go home and take care of my my children who, sure. who are really the victims of this pandemic can't go to school have to go online maybe didn't quite if you were a slow learner i'm sure this was a tough time if you happen to excel in class maybe you didn't quite excel with the computer so all of those things can play into it so understanding that what do you see with this tight labor market yeah and i, and I agree that that the, you know when you say 47 percent say they're more likely to put family and personal life over work some of them have been forced to do that because of what you said, right. kids at home yeah. and studies. But that's not the only reason that they're leaving. The second reason is that the pandemic was, they're using then saying this pandemic is not just a once in a lifetime anomaly, but it's an actually an opportunity for me to change occupations. Uh -huh. I've got some time. Let me do some extra research, some extra study. And they're calling it going a blue, want to go from blue collar work to what's being called new collar work. So we're getting out of one profession and, get, and getting into another with some extra studying and, 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 uh, degrees and different things they didn't have before. Well, I think it's important for us to talk about this. And I want to remind you, of course, we're talking with Shannon Dyson. He is the vice president of Shoemaker Insurance Solutions. We're talking about employee benefits and things that help employees that you can attract that employee that you want. Help the employer to attract that employee that you're really trying to retain, that top talent. Also joining us today is Dale Irwin and Scott Jordan. And Dale, of course, as you know, is here frequently with us and also uh, with Monday Mornings with Ditch. He's the Director of Public Relations. Dale, from the Better Business Bureau, what are you seeing when you talk about this, this tight job market? Right. Well, I, I think you're right. I think people have prioritized things that they didn't necessarily prioritize uh, even two years ago. Um, <clears throat> Uh, flexible time off, right? Um, having time to do what you need, um, having more time off. Uh, we were talking about before the show, um, you know, how there are some employers out there that are, that are offering uh, more time off or even unlimited time off. And so now some employees don't have to prioritize going to the doctor over taking a vacation. Maybe they can do both, right? So I think we're, we're seeing those trends trend that way. And, you know, whether you like it or not, that is kind of an unsettling factor with the market and what's happening there. Right. Shannon, I guess when I think about this, 
you've got a statistic that I you said that forty six percent are saying, and and I know you do a lot of health cover health health insurance for groups and for large companies, small companies. Forty six percent are saying they would forego added pay for a more generous health care plan. Talk about that. Yeah, so, you know, health care and retirement have always been two of the top benefits that employers offer. Uh, and there was a study that was the 2022 Global Benefits Attitude Study. Uh, they surveyed more than 9,600 U.S. employees, and 46% of those said that they would forego extra pay for better benefits. And that's a huge statement. And now that's a cost to, to the employer. I mean, and, and the employee. The employee, that's up from 36% in 2019. So 10% more of the employees surveyed are saying, you know, I'd pay more for a better benefit plan. So that does tell employers, you know, a lot of times we, as an employer, you get a, a increase on your, on your plan, your health plan, and it's one of the top three budget items year over year already. Uh, and you have to raise your deductibles and you're trying to figure out ways to save money. And here comes this study, say, study saying, hey, some employees would rather pay more. So what does that mean as an employer? I need to maybe offer more options. It doesn't necessarily mean I have to pay more money. Maybe I need to offer more more plan options. Well, I mean, I want to talk about 401ks too, but the reality are the retirement benefits and things like that. But you gave me some insight prior to the when we were planning the program, and I thought about this. And you said that perks from big companies. I mean, this I love this. Google, they've come out, Google, Twitter, and all of these tech companies have come up with, now I'm going to give you the top three, lunches right. prepared by a professional chef. Yeah, we we uh, do that. At, at, oh, sure. Yeah, we have place, yeah. we, we do that, that every yeah. week. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I could, well, never mind. <laughs> Bi-weekly bi chair massages, sure. yoga classes, and sure. free haircuts. I mean, you know, bi, I mean, it's great. On-site acupuncture. <laughs> I mean, this, and, you know, you got an improv class. That Now, uh, those are benefits that, that, I mean, that's the other benefits. What do you think about that? Right. So, you know, you don't have to offer uh, Google-type uh, benefits in order to attract and retain I'm talent. I'm so I mean, glad those you are said cool. that. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Uh, you <laughs> teach a Pilates class on exactly, the side right. at lunchtime exactly, at, at Shoemaker? Yeah. Is that perfect? Yeah. Maybe it means that employers <laughs> need to learn different skills and trades so they can do these. So they can give the chair massages so they can do the, do the <laughs> yeah, yoga. I don't like so. <laughs> but you don't have to break the bank to offer attractive extras. There was a new study that found that after health insurance, everybody, you know, first thing they say is always health insurance as a benefit. Uh, employees place the highest value on benefits that are relatively low cost. So things like flexible hours, more paid vacation time, more work from home options. Um, and that study further found that certain benefits can win some job seekers for lower paying jobs against higher paying jobs if some of those things are added to the benefit program. You know, I, I, I think when you put that together, you're saying you're saying work from home options, unlimited type of vacation time. Mm -hmm. I, I guess when you said that, I'm thinking, okay, is where is the trust factor? And I, I mean, I'm not trying to say that there's not an integrity crisis here, but it's easy to abuse something when you're sure. not supervised or you're not there's not a metric or something. How does that all work together, especially when it comes to this unlimited vacation? Yeah, the, time? Un the unlimited vacation. In fact, time when we were talking about that, you know, Daniel picked up on that, and so did Scott. <laughs> real quick, you know, Scott Jordan will join us in a minute. We're going to talk about some fundamentals on just time-tested fundamentals of managing money. You don't want to miss that because it's going to really tie all this together for us about what we're trying to put together. And of course, you know, Daniel Irwin's always going to talk about scams and fraud that you don't want to miss. That's that's important information. Remember, we're for you, and we want you to know this type of information. Now, 
I'm listening, Scott. So, so, unlimited, I mean, so your unlimited vacation time, and, and I think all of this, you just said uh, something I think is very important. When we're talking about employer benefits, we want to, these employers to say, hey, we are for our employees, and that's why they're offering these types of benefits. But unlim- unlimited vacation time, yeah, I first see that, I mean, that's, maybe that's going a little bit too far, but what, what they're saying and what we're hearing and understanding is that an employee feels like, okay, you are treating me as an individual who can be trusted to responsibly manage my workload regardless of how many days I take off. And so it's a different prospect uh, is as an employer, if you want to attract and retain the top people in an industry, you may have to start thinking differently about the benefits that you offer and things that you would have said, no way will I ever offer something like that. You may have to rethink that and start thinking a little bit differently. You're talking to the employer. The employer's going to have to rethink maybe what they've done. The 401k, the health insurance are still important. They're critical. Vacation time's critical. But now you've got to open up the box and look inside and say there are some other things. Yeah, because employees have options. Yes. Uh, and as, as an employee, now's, now's the time, right? You're looking at it and saying, what can I, what can I ask for? Because I am a, an attractive employee. I'm somebody that's going to work hard for whatever employer I go to work for. I want to make sure that I'm choosing an employer that is for me and gives me the benefits that I want and need. Well, that is so, so critical when we're thinking about that. What about student loan and tuition you know, assistance? Yeah. I know that's been a topic that a lot of people are talking about. Again, student loan and, and tuition assistance ranked really highly on the list of, of things that an employer could offer that would make an employee choose them, even maybe at a little bit lower paying job than a higher paying job. Uh, and there's only, according to the study, only 3% of companies are currently offering student loan assistance. So if only 3% of companies are doing it right now, that really is an opportunity for, for employers to come in and get creative on how they can help with employees. If you, if you find the right employee that you really want and you offer something like a, a student loan repayment assistance program, those employees are going to come to you because they say, you know what, he cares about me, he wants to help me, they want to help me succeed, they want to help me pay things off. Those things are important to employees in the in the market right now. You know, when the, when you put all this together, where do you think this is going? I mean, I know I want to ask you this question: Do you see differences in what benefits attract employees between genders? Is there something going on there? Yeah, one of the things between men and women, uh, parental leave is of high value to female employees. Twenty five percent of women say they'd give uh, parental leave heavy consideration when choosing a job. Only fourteen percent of men said the same. Uh, and men are more likely to, than women to value team bonding events, retreats, and, of course, free food. Free food. <laughs> <laughs> so, so free food uh, is, I wonder how that happens. Yeah, so, yeah, both, both genders valued fitness-related perks. Uh, women are more likely to prefer free fitness and yoga classes. Men are more likely to prefer an on-site gym and free gym memberships. We're talking about employer benefits here, not something that, you know, an insurance company. We're talking these are people that are surveyed are wanting their employers to provide these types. We had a whole segment you and I did on financial wellness. Right. So employers will need to start thinking outside of the box and finding some of these things that are really low cost, but can attract people to their to their company. Well, uh, this is a great subject. Employee benefits that help employers attract and retain top talent. Summarize this for me, Shannon. What do you see? What's going to change is, you know, where's it headed? As an employer, uh, you and and you have to be able to think differently. You have to be able to offer things maybe you didn't think you would offer before. You have to be willing to think through all of that because the employees 
that are coming and looking for jobs or wanting to change jobs, they're looking for things that they've never looked for before in an employer. Uh, so you, you, when they want the employer to help them with mental, mental health, mental health and wellness, uh, these are things that you never really thought an employer would help provide or financial wellness. You didn't really think an employer would help provide that, um, but that's what employees are looking for. Tremendous subject. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. If you'd like to talk to Shannon, telephone number is 901-757-5757. That's Shannon Dyson, Vice President of Shoemaker Insurance Solutions. Shannon, you always bring great subject matter, and thank you, sir. Don't leave. We want you to stay around. We've got some other things we'll talk about, but I want to talk with Scott Jordan now. Scott, you always bring an enormous amount of information and, and, and helps us understand some things because we're living in a time, whether we like it or not, that we've seen this, un, you know, inflation is out of control or getting out of control. As Shannon just told us, we've got low unemployment, but we've got rising interest rates. We've seen all that. We've got to talk about, re, you know, a recession. All that plays into this idea behind you know, what does history talk about? What is What are we looking for? How do you talk to people about their 401K, their savings plan, their college education, all their portfolio, their money? How do you help them understand what to do at this particular time in their life? I know you've got some money management principles that you preach all the time. Tell me about it. Well, you bring up some good points. There is plenty of stuff going on out there right now to get worried about. It's it's easy to get caught up in all that. We were talking before the show that we've seen kind of this shift in mindset from optimism to almost extreme pessimism in a real short period of time. And that can really cause people to make decisions that aren't in, to, in their long-term best interest. You know, I always say, when we're talking to investors, they tend to fail for a, for a few reasons. One is they have unrealistic expectations. They don't learn to expect times like we're going through now. They don't understand how markets operate. Um, they lack guiding principles that guide those investment decisions, and they operate without a plan. So, you know, I think today what we were going to do is kind of go into that operating without a plan and kind of touch back on some of those basic principles that – that you really need to focus on. And these help guide you through these uncertain times. You know, I say that, you know, right now the circle of concern is very large right now. No, like I said, no shortage of things to be worried about, but the circle of control that you can dial in on is kind of small and you can zero, zero in on these basic principles and really stay focused on these during these tough times. Well, I think it's important to just think about if we look at the up from January up through Memorial Day of last year, the market was up over 20, over 12%. Good year. Yes, but if you look at it from January this year up to Memorial Day again, it was down a little over 12%. So it's just been that movement and that floating volatility that we talk about, that we get into. So start with what you would consider to be the number one principle. The number one principle, and it sounds very easy. It sounds like almost something that's obvious. It's spend less than you earn. Uh, you know, that is the one thing that you can do. You know, I always say all good decisions begin with cash flow. And so the one thing that you have to focus on doing in order to hit your long-term and short-term goals is spend less than you earn. Save. That is so easy to say. It is. But difficult for a lot of people. Well, it, it's difficult. You know, there's there's a lot. You know, we all have limited resources. We have unlimited choices with our money. We get all these messages out here, messages from society, advertisers, marketers, corporations, uh, you know, kind of this mindset to really spend all that we earn. You deserve it. You know, you, you know, this you you made this money. Go out and spend it. There's kind of this 
cultural perspective that puts a lot, you know, a lot of self-worth into our net worth, things like this, that really sends a lot of confusing messages to us. And it, it's like you said, it's easier said than done. There's a lot of things competing for our dollars and, and it's hard to really uh, save money. It, it really is. It's hard to have a lot of money left over at the end of the month after you've um, you know taken care of all your responsibilities. It's somewhat managing that lifestyle. It's uh, you know, and that is That's so easy biggest. to say, but we do compete with each other. We always kind of think, well, I got to have the. You bought a sixty-five inch TV. I've got to have a and sixty-five I, small now. Jim. Okay, small. Uh, that's Maybe a I small time. Bigger, you, you, know? a, you need to think bigger. Okay, <laughs> you've got an eighty. I mean, the reality is that's what happens to us, and the consumer is driven. And so it's managing that lifestyle. Spend less than you earn or less than you make. That's a great principle. principle. Key principle. principle. I want to come back with that in a second. But uh, if you just tuned in, we're talking with uh, right now, Scott Jordan coming up. Daniel Irwin's going to talk with us about some things that are going on when it comes to fraud and scams. And you need to be protected. He's going to give us some very basic principles of what to do when you think you're being scammed or when you think there's a fraud going on. And Shannon is going to come back with us and kind of summarize some of these things about employer benefits that are provided for the employee. So if you just tuned in, we appreciate you being with us. We're for you. We want you to know that. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Again, we've got Daniel Irwin, Scott Jordan, and Shannon Dyson. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not an investment advice or recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Daniel Irwin or the Better Business Bureau. The views and opinions expressed are those of Daniel Irwin only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Thank you so much for joining us. want to remind you we're for you, and we want you to know that you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to our podcast, and please, we'd appreciate it very much if you leave us a review. Thank you for doing that. Uh, again, if you have questions for us here on Talk Money, just send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com, and we will get your questions on the air, as we always do. And we're talking about some fundamentals, and Scott Jordan is walking through some very time-tested fundamentals of money management that you can apply to any aspect of your financial life. And that is so critical, because if we would take those principles and really dive into them, that's what we're trying to give you today to help you understand some big possibilities for what you could do with your finances. And Daniel Irwin's going to come up and talk about some, he's from the Better Business Bureau, frequent guest of ours, frequent guest of the station. He does a great job. We're going to talk about some charity scams 
donations to Ukraine, mass shooting victims, graduation scams, all of these things fall right into the problem. In the Mid-South, you're going to be surprised the fact that this is ongoing and it never quits and they're professionals. Daniel is going to really help us understand that. Scott, let me go back. You've given us the first principle, these time-tested fundamentals of money management. You said spend less than you earn. I get it. It's not easy, but it's a principle that you need to adapt and begin to discipline yourself to do. What would you say was number two? I think number two I would touch on is avoid the use of debt. And really here I'm zeroing in on consumer debt. You know, I always say debt always mortgages your future. It always sentences you to a lower lifestyle in the future. When you spend money that you don't have today to buy things that you won't need, it's going to take your future cash flows in order to pay that back. So that's going to sentence you to a lower lifestyle in the future, you know, especially if it's high interest debt, you're spending a lot on interest, and that's money that you don't have to use for other goals. You know, there's no independent financial decisions. All these things are interrelated. So avoiding the use of debt is a key principle in reaching those long-term goals. You know, I know that you're a certified kingdom advisor. I'm a certified kingdom advisor. We talk about this a lot with our clients in the fact that we just simply say, you know, obviously spend less than you earn. But when you say avoiding debt, we, we talk about needs, wants, and desires. Right. And sometimes when we end up seeing people using debt on needs, that's a real issue that That's we a red try. Flag. Yeah, it's, it's a red, red flag. flag. And we try to work away through that process with them, helping them get through that, helping them break the habit. And that's what you're talking about. Breaking the habits and just get out of debt. You know, we see this time and time again. It's such a relief to people. I mean, there's another famous radio personality that's created a whole show out of this <laughs> yes, where people has. scream and yell. But I've seen it in people, too. When they get that debt burden that really creates that hopelessness. When they get that off of their shoulders, it's amazing how much freedom they have to pursue other goals. I think that is so critical. But when you think about, you know, spending less than you earn and avoiding debt, manage the needs, wants, and desires. But you talk also about building liquidity. Now, again, I'm saying avoid debt, but discipline myself to put money aside. Absolutely. And, and really by this, we're talking about building that extra margin in there to handle some of those, uh, those un, unexpected life events that come along. You know, some people call it an emergency fund. It's just having that liquidity there to handle those things that come up that you hadn't planned for. You know, when you're, when you're doing a budget or a spending plan to try to spend less than you earn and you're avoiding the use of debt, uh, not having that margin and liquidity there can lead you right back into debt when that unexpected life event happens. So building that margin and liquidity is key. And then you can decide what part of that margin or liquidity is going to go for those short-term, those unexpected needs versus those long-term desires. And you talk about unexpected, those things happen. And by the way, we're in the heat season, and all of a sudden you get up during the middle of the night and you're sweating and going, what's wrong in the air condition? I mean, I've got a friend right now. It happens all the time. It happens. <laughs> and, you know, and he's going, I can't, you know, my goodness, and I can't. And, no, and I'm going, yep. it, it, you know, he hadn't planned it, and he's figuring it out how he's going to pay for it, and he's having to pull from that literally that savings account that he set aside for that. I get it. All right. Spend less than earn, avoid debt, set some money aside for those emergencies and unexpected needs. Number four. And then set long-term goals. Uh, There's always a trade-off between short-term desires and long-term goals. And by setting those long-term goals, you know, whether it's financial independence, you're trying to pay down debt, maybe it's a charitable giving goal, want to start a new business or even a lifestyle desire like buying a second home, whatever those long-term goals are, by setting those 
I like to have them written down. Those can be quantified and you can create a plan and an investment strategy to accomplish those. But setting those goals, having being clear about what you're trying to accomplish can give you that hope that you need to make it through the tough times and allow you to make those trade-offs because there is a trade-off. You know, you have to forego spending today in order to save for the future. And sometimes that's very hard to do. And by having those goals clearly laid out, clearly quantified, having a plan to accomplish those, man, that goes a long way toward giving you that, that, that what you need to, to reach those goals. All right. You use the term having a plan to go through that. So talk about the plan. Is it short term, long term? How do you work a plan? Well, it's all of the above. I mean, a, a spending plan, you know, and going back to, you know, that step one, spending less than you earn that, I think that requires setting a spending plan. And a spending plan is really an annual spending plan that's managed monthly. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you, you set it annually, you manage it monthly and kind of control it daily um, and really, you know, deciding, okay, I'm going to tell my money where it's going to go. I have a certain amount of money coming in. I want to decide where each of those dollars is going to go. And that takes planning. That that doesn't happen automatically. The natural flow of money is right through us and right out the door. So it takes effort. It takes planning to uh, to make sure that we're, we're sending those dollars exactly where they want to go based on our priorities, based on what we're trying to accomplish. You know, there's Everybody has different goals, and, and all of that is, is it can be thought through, and you can create a plan to accomplish those goals. You know, you're saying something, send my money to where I want it to go. That's yep. that discipline. I really like that term because I'm afraid sometimes if the, you know, if I've borrowed too much money and I have debt, then I'm not really controlling my money where I, it's already going where it's right. got to go. Right. And I'm not in charge anymore. In fact, I become, the Bible says very specifically, the lender becomes the slave, or the, excuse me, the borrower becomes the slave to the lender. Boy, and it sounds harsh, doesn't it? It does. I mean, that's brutal. <laughs> It's a clear warning, but though, is, and, and yeah. we see that acted out. You know, the where that money goes is really a function of your responsibilities and your priorities. Your responsibilities can be, well, you know, we go, we got to pay the tax man, we got to pay our debts. There's certain other, you know, whether it's kids or keeping the lights on and all that. There's responsibilities there, but then it's our priorities. Is what what do we want to accomplish? And it takes planning. I don't think that happens automatically. I it's think discipline. I think it's a discipline. It's a plan, and it's something that needs to be thought through. I know Daniel is going to help us a little bit with that discipline and how to manage the emotions side of that. But now you have one other thought here when it comes to the idea of, of principles. And again, as a certified kingdom advisor, we're talking about people that really get their hand where it's their money. They're stewards of that money. They're guided by the biblical principles of doing what they've been charged of doing. And now we're saying, okay, we're for you. We want you to help, to help you to do this. You've said, number one, do less, you know, spend less than you earn. And, and that one's pretty simple. And then avoid the use of debt, build liquidity, set up some long-term goals, be disciplined. I like that term that they used. What would you say is the last one that you'd important? And this one's a little counterintuitive, but give generously. Um, now that, you know, you may go, wait a minute, I, I've got to, I've got to accomplish some goals here. I can't give generously, but I think, and I see this, I see this acted out in people's lives that really giving generously calibrates you to the source of all that money, right? You know, we believe that money is a blessing. It's a tool, it's a test, and it's a testimony to who you belong to. And I think giving generously just kind of calibrates your heart to where that comes from. And it kind of breaks the power of money. Money is powerful. Mm. It can really grip our lives and control what we do. And I think having that discipline giving, and I believe in 
discipline giving or what I would call percentage giving. You know, you decide what you're going to give away and make a plan to do it. And I just see this in people's lives and it, and it really gives you that joy of, uh, you know, you're out there, you're working hard, you're making money. And if you can see that money go to powerful uses that really just promote human flourishing and improve people's lives, that can, that can, that can make life worth living right there. I agree with that a hundred percent. I can remember early on in my married life, we, we, you know, I wanted to tithe. I felt that was important. And then I would say, well, I don't have the money this time. And I, you know, I can't mm. do it this time. And so I would back and forth, back and forth. Invariably, the Lord would simply say, okay, either you tithe or I'll get it somewhere else. <laughs> you know, it was a, you know, the, the engine would fall out of my car or something. Yeah, you know, some yeah. mistake, and I, mean, and some, I want to be careful. I don't want to, I don't want to flip into this prosperity mindset and it's not that I, I just really think it calibrates your heart to and puts money in that proper place absolutely proper place giving now daniel this is the issue that so many people have i mean this especially with what's going on the war in ukraine yeah you've got the the shootings in new york and texas all this and all of a sudden we've got scammers that are taking advantage of this moment of vulnerability. Right. The markets may fluctuate, but one thing that's going to stay the same and was the same 20 years ago are scammers are out there trying to take advantage of everything. Um, it's really horrendous. It's sick to think about. But, you know, when we see these tragedies like the ongoing war in Ukraine and the horrible mass shootings in New York and Texas, uh, one of, well, two things happen whenever there's a, a crisis like this. Um, you can count on people wanting to give money and you can count on fraudulent charities and people trying to take advantage. Um, the generous generosity of people wanting to help, uh, people are just inspired to give money. Um, and, and yet on the other side of that, you have people that are looking at these as opportunities to take your money. So you have to be really, really careful. And the other thing that's tricky about situations like this is not only do you have fraudulent charities and outright scams, but you also have people that are inspired to do more than give and they have the right intentions and they want to help, but they don't know how. And they're soliciting money, but they don't have the proper infrastructure or network to solve the kind of issues that they're wanting to help. So not only do you have to watch out for fake and fraudulent charities, but you also have to be really careful about where you give your money because not all the organizations out there are equipped to handle the circumstances. You know, you talk about that. There is a, a method to this. I mean, you have to have a, a proper treasury designation, a 501c3. You have to be a charity. And some people think, well, it's just, I'll be a charity tomorrow. Right. I'll call myself a charity, but that's not how it works. Well, and established charities are much more likely to have the experience and the infrastructure to address the circumstances. And they have a track record that can be evaluated and they're transparent, Right. Most established charities, you can go on their website and you can see exactly how they spend their money or they have a plan of how your money is going to help those in need. So you should always look for charities that have that on their website, but also that have an established presence. So for instance, if you're wanting to give uh, to, to the Ukrainian people, you need to give to a charity that's got an established infrastructure in or around Ukraine that stands ready to help those people. Um, and you should really donate to experienced groups, but be weary of any group that says 100% of the proceeds are gonna go to help the people. Um, um, most established charities have overhead. They have labor, you know, so so be weary of 100% claims. 
Um, and be really careful. You know, you brought up, you know, most charities are established, right? They, they, they're licensed. But now one of the ways that especially people of my generation and younger people give is crowdfunding. And you just can't believe everything you see. Crowdfunding sites are uh, used to help share stories of those in need, but if giving review the platform's policies and procedures, and keep in mind that some crowdfunding sites take precautions to carefully screen, but others don't. So it's kind of a, you know, you don't really know. Um, so you can't, ve- you can't just trust everything you see. Just because some, there's, there's a GoFundMe page for somebody doesn't mean that that person even knows that page exists. One of the things that we see, one of the sick things that we see, um, and one of the most, uh, unfortunately, the, the, the most popular thing that's reported to our office when it comes to charity scams are uh, unvetted um, or just outright lies in crowdfunding platforms. You know, um, Daniel, that's, that, you know, that's taking the emotions of a person, that raw emotion of what they've seen on the news, what they've heard, and, and, and really just kind of yeah. crying in that person's heart. And you have to watch out for the vague appeals that don't identify the intended use of funds, but also it's a respect thing. Out of respect for the victims and their family, families, organizations or crowdfunding postings uh, raising funds should always get permission from the families to use either their names or their likeness or their photographs. And one of the things that's happening now uh, because of the horrible shooting in Texas is you're seeing these crowdfunding sites pop up and they're using pictures and images of the children, and they may or may not actually have the, um, the, the, the the permission or the authorization to do so. So again, when you are giving to crowdfunding sites, we recommend if you don't know who it is you're giving to, at the very least, do your research. But again, I can't stress enough, you can't always just assume that stuff on GoFundMe and other sites like that has been vetted because more times than not, it has not been. I know you talk about verifying trustworthiness and rely on expert opinion, not just, uh, you know, Facebook or not just somebody's comments, but when it comes to really evaluating a charity, is there a place they can go? I know you guys have places. Yeah, so we have a charitable giving arm of the Better Business Bureau, and it's called the Wise Giving Alliance, and you can always go to our website. It's give.org, G-I-V-E.org, and you can find a list of charities, um, but you also just like we rate all businesses, they rate all charities. So you can actually see, uh, you know, the charity and when it was formed and, and, you know, you can, you can kind of vet that charity that way. You can also call every state. Uh, you can call every state has an attorney general's office. Um, you can call them and you can see whether that charity is registered in that state. But the more preparation, the more um, homework you do on the front end, um, you know, again, it's not necessarily a scam, but you, you, you worked hard for your money. You want your money to go where you think it's going. So you have to do the prep work before you give. Well, that's what Scott's talking about. When you talk about giving generously, Scott, you're really saying this is a part of unleashing that hold that money has on you. And that's part of what, you know, we're doing with, with, with what, you know, Daniel's talking about is giving to those people in need. And I, and I think, you know, when you go back to all the principles we were talking about, those are really what I would call stewardship principles or those proper money management principles. And I think part of that stewardship is understanding who you're giving to a little bit, doing a little research, dig down in there and make sure that, you know, not only are you being generous, but you're being generous in a wise way. And, and one, one thing to that point, make sure you identify celebrity fundraising plans just because somebody's famous and they're on Facebook and Instagram and they're saying donate here or donate to me and I'll give this money there. That's not always the case. So look beyond the fame, right? Because 
again, we oftentimes with social media being so prevalent, that's how we make our decisions. That's how we make our buying decisions. And unfortunately, sometimes that's how we make our giving decisions. So just because a celebrity is out there touting a specific charity or saying, give to this platform, you can't always just go with that. You have to take the time and, and look past the fame. You know, what I, I think I'm hearing you guys say, and again, I, I want our listeners to understand we're for you. So what we're talking about is things that we feel like imply the right way to do it. It's not always perfect, but we are working through this process to help you understand whether it's the fundamentals or principles that, that Scott was talking about with Shannon's going about with the employer, helping the employee, Daniel giving you the ideas behind the Better Business Bureau. We're talking about giving you direction and just the fact that your money is making that so important and you're a steward of what God's entrusted you with and you basically are using it to go and give back to those people that are in desperate need, being careful, vetting the charity, but just simply don't just jump on the bandwagon because somebody's on the phone or you see something. Vet through the process. And, and let me get you to do, do this one more time, Daniel. Tell us again. You said give.org. Yes. Give.org is the Wise Giving Alliance. That's the charitable branch of the Better Business Bureau. You can go and you can check out charities. We have accredited charities, but you also have charity ratings. And you actually will have all sorts of information on uh, the financial stability of those charities. And there are other organizations that you can vet those charities with. So we'll show you the charity. We'll give you our rating, but we'll also steer you in a direction if you wanted to know more about that charity where you could go. Well, we've discussed that in a very effective way. Thank you, sir. But I want to get into the scams again and listen to us, college students. You are susceptible as a recent college yes. grad. And so watch watch out for these scams. What right. are you, Daniel? So just real quickly, so make sure you know the terms of your student loans. Uh, we all should know the terms, but especially new college grads. Scammers target college graduates um, with fake loan forgiveness opportunities by unsolicited mail and phone calls and text messages now. So just make sure you know the, uh, the terms of your student loans and be wary of unsolicited messages about unpaid tuition. Uh, there's a scam that goes around, usually around graduation, where... Uh, uh, future graduates who are about to walk uh, get start to get text messages and emails about, you know, unpaid tuition, which has really been paid, but it's just a way to scam you out of your money. Uh, the other thing is do research before accepting jobs or interviews. Um, there's a lot of job scams out there. So that's something that uh, does targets college students. Just be really, really careful uh, when accepting job interviews. Make sure you vet the company and be really weary of work from home opportunities. There's a lot of them out there, but there are a lot of ones that aren't legit. And so you can really dig a hole for yourself if you uh, start start your new life out uh, being scammed. And then watch out for rental scams. Uh, 43% of people looking for a rental home are going to come across a bogus listing. That's 43%. And so it can be really tough to, to, to figure out what's real and what's not. So just know that there are a lot of rental scams out there. So you need to, to take your time and, and don't fall for anything. Wow. That's, you know, the problem is you've got so much coming at you on the internet, so much on your right. phone and you're making decisions quickly. Sometimes you get caught up into something. And you can't trust third party sites. So many people think just because it's on Zillow or it's on one of those right. sites that it's been vetted and it just hasn't. 43% of the listings out there are, are not correct. I mean, we literally deal with a scam every single day at the Better Business Bureau. So just be careful when you're looking for a rental listing, college grads. All right. Let me ask this question for everybody listening. This is for you. This is what the bottom line. How do you spot a scam? And I, I mean, how do I know that I'm, I'm this isn't a scam? 
Well, it, it's it's. I wish there was a one size fit all answer, but you know, come on, Daniel. Uh, one of the the best ways is look how someone tells you to pay. I hear stories all day long, and it and 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 the the number one thing that you can do is if anybody ever wants you to pay with a gift card, that is going to be a scam. No legitimate business, legitimate organization is going to demand payment via gift card or any other um, untraditional or non-traditional payment method like uh, Cash App or Venmo or Bitcoin or wiring money or something like that. So if they're wanting to provide a good or service, but they're demanding unusual payment method, that's going to be a scam. But now, but you know, that makes so much sense. I hear that. I'm thinking I would never go to get a gift card to pay for something. But yet you told me earlier, $5.8 billion in the United States last year from scammers. And that's only one out of 17 are reported. Right, right. Our best guess is that one in 17 people report a scam or report fraud, whether it be to us, to the Federal Trade Commission, to law enforcement. So, so much money is is spent and, you know, it, it, with, with fraud. And so, again, when it's reported to us the number one method that people lose money is gift card so look at how they tell you to pay that Um, is unbelievable and then also you know uh we we're coming out of pandemic and so many people have been isolated for so long and so scammers change their tactics and one of the things especially with seniors we see is they tell us that scammers take the time to listen to them right scammers take the time to talk to me and listen so one of the things that you can do is your circle of friends your community be on the lookout for these these red flags these signs talk to people ask them about their day ask who's calling them be present in 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 your family's lives and in 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 the people in your community Uh, and we all watch out look out for each other i mean that's probably the number one thing you can do is just look out for the people you love and look out for the people you love communicate 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 when in doubt Check it out. Right. That's so strong. Daniel Irwin, Director of Public Relations, Better Business Bureau. His telephone number, if you'd like to talk to Daniel, 759-1300, 759-1300. Daniel, always do a great job. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks. Well, if you just tuned in, of course, you're listening to Talk Money. And I want to thank my guests, Daniel Orwin, Scott Jordan, and Shannon Dyson. And if you have questions for Daniel, you can reach him again. The telephone number is 759-1300. If you have questions for Shannon or Scott, you can reach them at 757-5757, area code, and of course, 901. You can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Next week, the subject is fear of the market, recession, how to protect your portfolio. Steve Anderson, Scott will be back. Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson will be going through that whole process of how to protect your, not get your emotions involved. That's Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 12 noon. If you have questions, you can send them to Talk Money at shoemakerfinancial.com. I want to thank you so much for listening. We're for you every week, helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.